Welcome back to another edition of Live from West End. We're back in the studio, back, back in the down studio. in, in uh, the bottom of Rand. We're um, we're here for after Thanksgiving break, in between winter break, a little bit of uh, finals action here, but we've still got the podcast strong and alive. Um, we're going to start out with a positive note. Well, we'll get to so we'll get to football end of season. Um, obviously, a loss of Tennessee since the last time we've recorded an episode. We'll get to basketball, both men's and women's, who have had. I guess I'll say a couple of bumps in the road. Yep. Um, but we'll start on a positive note. We'll start with soccer. We've got soccer with Sam here to start. Um, positive in the sense Sam. of of an NCAA tournament run. Yeah. But obviously the the season has come to an end uh, after a loss to Northwestern. Negative in the fact that it's at least for now going to be the last soccer with Sam. I think for this year. You guys will have to wait what another like eight or nine months. We'll be back yeah. in August though. Unbelievable. But yeah, um, like Bryce said, I think it's a it's an overall positive season for sure. Uh, you really, it felt like this was maybe the team to take Vanderbilt past the second round. I wrote a recap piece um, and dove into a lot of like the statistics and like what Ambrose has done at Vanderbilt. Um, and it is amazing. I mean, the amount of ranked wins he's had versus what the program had had is like doubled and in a much shorter time obviously he's um won an sec regular season title a sc east title and an sc tournament title and brought the team now i think to five out of the last six years in ncaa tournament berth which is amazing for the program but they still haven't made it out of the second round they can't quite get over that metaphorical hump that being said a really really great performance this year they went 12 5 and 4 they made the uh the semifinals of the SEC tournament almost took Alabama, who, by the way, made the semifinals of the NCAA tournament. Worst call of the um, year. In terrible uh, call. Soccer. They they showed that they could compete with anybody this year, and that's why, like, even against Northwestern, a top fifteen team, like, there was confidence because you just kind of knew that they were capable of fighting above their weight. Yeah, and and uh, watching you know Ambrose talk after the game. Um, it really was a game of like feet and inches. Uh, mm-hmm. Vanderbilt had a goal called back for offsides very soon after Northwestern's first goal. Um, it was, you know, Ambrose was saying, you know, it, it was offsides like by the by the laws of the book, but it was extremely close. Like the goal wasn't, you know, wasn't wh- a result of the right, o- of right. cherry picking and yeah. being offsides. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a tough result to swallow, and and obviously Ellis Schamberg picked up the penalty late to make it two to one, um, and you know one less goal, one less mistake means that it's actually tied. Yeah. Um, but that game is a is I guess I guess maybe just as close as the storyline might say, but it really could have gone either way. But just a lot of credit to what Ambrose has done for this program and what this team was able to accomplish this year. Um, and and looking forward, what are you kind of like? What are you kind of looking forward to next year? Well, I think forward. there are a lot of things to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, Sam's already thinking about next year. <laughs> <and his laughs> last soccer with Sam. Exactly. There, there are a lot of things to look forward to, and there are a lot of positives and a lot of good contributors on this team. But 
the fact remains that they are losing a lot of key pieces through, you know, Reagan Kelly, Ella Schamberger, both fifth-year graduates, so they're done. Maya Antoine is graduating, so we'll see if she comes back for a fifth year. Also losing Abina Adu, Brooke Van Dyke, Peyton Cutshaw. Those are all starters on the team. Maybe Van Dyke was not a starter, but she was the first off the bench. Heavy contributor, right? Um, there are a lot of good freshmen. We saw really good contribu- contributions from Abby Brighton, Maddie Baker, but they're losing a lot. And, you know, I think we have confidence in Ambrose, like we've said, to sort of pick the team up because they are consistently good under him. But it's a lot to lose. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, um, you're going to see m- most years uh, about half or a third of the team turnover. And that's what you're yeah. seeing here. Uh, it was, it was a, it was really nice last year when we thought we were going to lose players like Reagan Kelly and Ella Schamberger for them to come back for a graduate year. And I felt like that's that's why this is a tough loss to take because you really did feel like they were going to finally achieve with the veteran presence and like a deep squad achieve kind of a, a deeper run into the NCAA tournament. That next step. Exactly. Almost. But yeah. But there is still, to give, you know, some hope to the to the Commodore fans out there, nearly, you know, half of the players who, who played out there, I think – I want to say it was nine of the 16 who entered the game in that last tournament game were actually underclassmen and will be returning to the team. Yep. Some of them were off the bench, but you have stars like you mentioned, Abby Brighton, Amber Wynn in the front, both keepers, both Kate Devine and um, Wajelko will both be returning. Um, so Anna there is mainstays yeah, as well um, yep. and some exciting freshmen and, and I think some good, good fresh talent will be coming in as ever for Ambrose. So this is definitely not, um, not the end of the line for them nope. uh, going forward as a program, yep. but... Yeah. Credit to them and to Ambrose. So as Sam mentioned, given the nature of the season and the fact that Sam will be studying abroad next semester, this is the last soccer with Sam um, we've got for the year. Before we move on to basketball, let me get a, a real quick U.S. Uh, World Cup prediction out of you, Sam. World Cup prediction, I think they, although I want to say they're going to win the finals, I think they <laughs> go out to Argentina in the quarterfinals, and I have Brazil winning Right now they're not placed in the bracket, so I don't know which side they're going in, but I'm going to say that Brazil beats England in the final, which also hurts my heart. <laughs> cool. I don't know what any of that means, but I trust you. Aiden. <laughs> Me, Aiden Ruppman, ever the optimist. <laughs> USA. USA. <laughs> USA. All the That's way. That's what I like to hear. All I can way. support that. Take down the Netherlands, take down Argentina, take down whoever it is. Don't matter. Beat England. USA It's called foe. soccer. USA and foe. Okay. All right, moving on to, to basketball now. Last night, a tough one on the road for, for Vanderbilt men's basketball. We'll start yep. there. So they go out to California over Thanksgiving holiday. I think a pretty so-so performance out there. You lose to St. Mary's, which is – there's no shame in that. I mean, St. Mary's is a top 25 team um, per Ken Palm. They, they're consistently kind of frisky and, and one of the better teams out in the West Coast Conference with Gonzaga. Yep. Always competing with Gonzaga, I was going to say. But – it was really never that close. Um, St. Mary's has lost, you know, their last two games. After that, they lost to Washington, and then they lost last night to New Mexico as well. So that loss is getting, you know, a little bit worse. Um, and then you kind of let Fresno State hang around in that second one. Liam Robbins obviously is a really good individual game, but you only end up winning eight points over Fresno State. Not not a great showing out there but one and one um with a chance last night to to go get another top 100 road win at vcu and it kind of just all goes goes awry and and despite the fight that that the commodore showed in the second half i I thought this one got away from him and it's a yeah it's a 
another big loss kind of on their non-conference schedule so far. Yeah, uh, it's talking specifically about the end of that, or just generally second half of the VCU game. Obviously, um, they lost uh, really, it was a bad loss last year um, to VCU, so you would have liked to see some revenge. We were home last year away this year. Um, I was I was covering that game, and I, I just remember just the, the feeling of frustration, so I was hoping for a good result there. Um, and I think maybe Stackhouse remembers that too. Just, I mean, like obviously he was mad about Robin's yeah. tech and, and Jerry Stackhouse ejected last night yes. on a triple technical foul. That that was really the end of the game. Like yeah. Vanderbilt had just crawled back. Well, they crawled right back in after that too. But it, it, it was just so after, much to yeah. overcome it's after so they had already come back. Yep. And, it, and I mean, like, not that I'm saying that any assistant coaches are not uh, completely capable, but you know. And and hopefully for the season, maybe it shows the players that Stack is just as passionate about them and their well-being, I, I hope. But it's really tough in a game like that that's close and you're calling plays and at times they looked, uh, I don't want to say clueless, just like... Confused. I, yeah, confused yeah, offensively. Yeah, that VCU havoc. Yeah. Um, really good defense, obviously, for the Rams. But I'm with you, Sam. I think that Vanderbilt knew this about VCU going into the game, that they were going to try and make them force turnovers. They were going to try and trap. They were going to try and, you know, confuse them offensively. And I, I just thought the game plan, especially in the first half when we got down seven, just wasn't quite up to par given that those things were known. There wasn't seemingly a lot that Vanderbilt was doing to kind of counterpunch and have their own attack. And obviously that's hurt by the fact that Jordan Wright scoreless again last night. Yeah. Um, didn't not, really play and seems to have kind of a lingering back issue going on. Yeah, I'm not really sure because I, I couldn't really find anything online about a specific injury that he suffered last Yeah, it's pretty night. mum, I think, as of right now. That being said, 14 minutes, he's supposed to be the star player. Obviously, that's just like a tough pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. I still think he can be a really good contributor. I think Robbins is probably like the number one guy. Yeah. But I think that... Jordan Wright needs to continue to stay aggressive because I think that what we've seen in certain games is he kind of starts off slow and he gets tentative. And that's something that especially a star player on a team or, you know, one of the better players on a team should never do. And we've seen it. We've seen him go out and we've seen him dominate. Like the Temple game, he had, what, 22-7 and Yeah, six, and, I, and, and I think last great. year too, I mean, he was... He was, a great he was number definitely two their number two to Scottie Pippen. Yep. One stat that I've found kind of interesting is, I mean, Jordan is only taken 12 free throws this year so far and that's you know fourth on the team we were expecting him to be a slasher a guy that gets to the rim constantly I mean he's someone that took 116 free throws last year for reference and I think across the board clearly there's something going on um you know in terms of his aggressiveness in terms of his shooting numbers there's got to be some type of injury here I, I think just given kind of the way that that he's played so far and and it's hurt Vanderbilt yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously he's uh, a maybe quieter leader, but a leader nonetheless on the court. Um, and it's just very tough. I, I, I'm obviously I'm not giving up on this team. I think they have a path to becoming successful in terms of putting um, putting the ball in the hands of their centers and maybe seeing an emergence of Studi more as we saw last night um, shot six for eight until that last like hoisted up three that made him six for nine. Yep. Um, but it, it's very tough when you go into a season thinking that you're going to have a player like Wright kind of picking up the slack from Pippen. I mean, you know, something's wrong, and he's averaging less points than he did when Scotty was averaging 20 last year, which just 
points to the lack of scoring that we've seen at times. And it's tough when you say that Robbins is your number one option, but you want to get QMB on the floor um, because he's such a good orchestrator and mm -hmm. obviously to keep the legs fresh down low so that you can kind of stay dominant at the, at the center position. But, you know, that just tells me that either we need to see some drastic change. I, I, you know, there's a few paths forward where I see they're like Studi completely emerging and taking over a much bigger role rather than kind of a, an elite three point shooter um, that, that goes to work when you're, when your offense is kind of the slashing is working or we got to see an emergence of right or an emergence of like a freshman. Cause at this point of the season, it's someone to change. Yeah. I think that, I think that something will change. I look at the schedule I think that there are turning points. I think that, you know, you could see the game in, at, against NC State in a, in a few weeks uh, in Chicago at the Legends of Basketball Showcase. I think that could be like the a, UC. I think that could be a turning point. I really think that this team is underperforming thus far. I think that they're going to figure it out. I know that I'm optimistic. I think that, like you said, freshmen, I think that Colin Smith has been involved early. Yeah. And I think truly I feel this way about freshmen the same way I do about like rookies when it comes to professional sports. They get better every game they play. Yeah, no, I think that that's what we're going to see with all of these freshmen, specifically Smith, and I think that they're going to start contributing. I also liked what we saw from Studi. Hit a couple like step back. Yeah, Studi was great night. last um, night. I mean, if he can emerge as like a ball handler and someone who's creating his own shot a little bit, I think that opens up the floor a lot. I think you're right, Aiden. And you know, looking at the schedule, obviously Vanderbilt had kind of a front-loaded non-conference slate here. You've you've played all but one team inside the top 180-ish on Ken Palm, which obviously. 180 and and 140 in Fresno State is not exactly where you want to be, but they're no slouches. Yep. And the back half of the schedule, you're going to get Wofford at home on Saturday. You're going to get Grambling State at home. You get Alabama A&M, and you get Southeastern Louisiana, both also at home. And then two opportunities against NC State and, and Pittsburgh. So I, I don't know if I necessarily agree that it will turn around, but I, I will say that we will know more about this team, and they'll have a couple of opportunities to, yeah. to get those – um, kind of negatives turned around like we've talked about. Yeah, I'm, I'm ten. I'm trying to be optimistic. I always, you know, try to be optimistic. And honestly, I'm, I'm having a little bit of trouble. Last year, it did feel like it was a. We had a path to victory in terms of Scotty, um, attracting attention, and then it was just about the guys around him helping. We talked all the time about um our win percentage when he had you know his highest usage rate versus lower usage rate, and it felt like all right, if Scotty's making some baskets and then can get others involved, we're gonna win. And this year, I it's just like someone's got to go off, and I don't know where that's coming from, especially on a consistent basis. So I think someone just needs to decide that this is their team. And it, like that's what needs to happen sometimes in basketball. And it seems like maybe Liam Robbins has started it, but he also only got 20 minutes last night. Well, so, that was, he was I, in foul trouble. He's in foul right. trouble. That's, that's the biggest problem. But that's what's problem. happened to if him he before. he can't stay on the court, he can't dominate. But when he's on the floor, he is he's hard to stop. He's a force. Like He, he, really, he totally is. It's, it's just a, something, again, like you said, Aiden, that we see in the NBA as well. It's hard to build around a big man yeah. unless he's, you know, can shoot threes, can step out, can dribble and then at that point is it really a big man no I mean there's been a lot of really good players in the NBA I think of like a Carl Anthony Towns who who needs guards around him to help him and and Liam's been great and I think that that's a major plus for Vanderbilt that it, he's seemingly finally healthy but he needs help he can only do so much yeah you know given the the restriction of his position and I think that it's that's something world. we've run into that Sam mentioned too is kind of this construction of this roster in terms of two of your best players 
kind of canceling each other out at the five um, hasn't necessarily worked so far. Um, but flipping to the other side of Memorial Gymnasium, uh, the women's basketball team is off to a six and three start. I thought a really, really impressive start to the year. Um, started out five and zero for the first time, um, I believe, since 2014, and then a bit of a tough spell. Um, three losses in a row, home against St. Joe's, um, and then two close ones uh, in Cancun against number 11 NC State, and then against Northern Iowa. Uh, they did beat USC Upstate uh, two nights ago in a 30-point win. I'll say that the scheduling has been interesting, in my opinion, for the women so far. So Vanderbilt men's basketball at four and three. Vanderbilt women's basketball at six and three. Are we four, They've, four and three or three and four? Three and four. My bad. Thank you, Aiden. But point being, the men have played seven games. The women are going to play their tenth tonight um, when they take on East Tennessee wow. State on the road. So I, I think like that every two days, when you look at Big picture when you look at kind of those those first five games, St. Joe's at home obviously not a great loss to have, but that was Vanderbilt's fifth game in a ten day span. Yeah, that's a ton for any basketball team. And then you go down to Cancun just four days later, and you're playing two tough opponents. I, I thought they hung in well with NC State, um, Northern Iowa, not a great loss, but we don't know a ton about them yet. Biggest thing I think moving forward is Harbison injured in. in yep last night's or two nights ago's game uh, against USC upstate and this is a team that as we talked about in the preseason doesn't really have room for for more injuries. injuries yeah yeah I mean I was just gonna say um your point about um how often they've played is only reinforced by the fact that they didn't know that they'd have you know three of their three or four of their starters um injured um yeah during the season and have much less depth than they thought so you're forcing these um these women to go much much longer and I mean Harvison f- has been a complete revelation for this team who didn't know where their scoring was from. Um, she's consistently putting up, you know, double digits and into the 30s and 20, you know, having career highs. Um, and obviously they're very unfortunate. I think it was against you and I that they lost on a buzzer beater. But, I mean, Harbison drove with, like, a couple seconds left to tie the game up. She's been clutch. She's been great for them. I, I don't – I don't. I'm not sure about her injury status of how long she's out. I am not either. Yeah, which – She's day to day, I think. Okay, okay, okay. So could be worse. Yeah. I think elsewhere, something that's been encouraging and, and something that we've written about is the transfers have, have come in and been Key really solid. Yeah. Harbison has been great. Um, and that's kind of the problem with her with her being the one to go down. She's been absolutely fantastic, has led the team, um, has had some really nice offensive performances. I think she scored twenty seven at Columbia. Um, she scored a ton. She scored upwards NC of thirty State. a couple of times. Yeah, I think she had um, like thirty-five against NC State. Um, thirty-four. Yeah, okay. good call. Um, Marnell G- uh, Garo has been really good too. She's the sort Boston of like College transfer. She's like the Miles Studi of this team. Right. She's a nice three and D really player. Good um, she's she's been pretty good from deep. Um, has, has scored in bunches as well. She's and then upwards of like forty-five percent from three, which yeah, is, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, she's up there, and I think. A testament to, to what Shay's been able to do just real quick on on kind of the roster build that these two transfers have come in and been so impactful right away and, and have really filled, you know, flip of what we said with, with Stackhouse and his roster construction. It's clear kind of what these two transfers have filled in yeah. um, to be on this roster. And I, I think they played those spots nicely. Um pulling it up here okay we've got uh yeah Garo's up at 41 percent from three wow. this year which is which is wow. really solid super and then especially for a volume shooter yep 
and and she's really been kind of their primary volume shooter too. Yeah. Um, and then Sasha Washington down low has been really good along alongside the two freshmen that have come in. So I think that that there's a there's there's pieces here that have developed nicely, um, and B there's some surprises that we didn't necessarily expect. I guess maybe the transfers being better than expected, the freshmen being uh, better a little bit earlier than we expected. Yeah. But the big thing for this team, A, like we said, is going to be kind of managing this front-loaded schedule. They're going to have a huge break um, for finals yeah, in a couple, like a of, couple of days. Yeah, 10-day break, which will be kind of like a nice bye week for them. And then also managing injuries kind of simultaneously because despite all the players that we just mentioned, there's not a ton else coming off the bench for Vanderbilt, Yeah, they, especially they against better teams. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I don't think even without the injuries, you know, we were expecting more, but I don't think we were expecting national championship quite yet. So I don't think it's a bad thing that you're seeing. Um, the Seeing the bright side of injuries, which are awful, is that you're seeing freshmen come in, and as you were just saying, yeah. um, you're seeing them get better every game. Jada Brown, is, I think, is starting to get more minutes and is starting to become more confident, take more shots, and be kind of, I think you're going to see her become a floor general um, going uh, in the future, maybe not this year, but next year, um, and with um, um, with Ayanna Moore, um, mm, could yeah. create a really lethal duo in that backcourt. And then you're seeing Ryan Allen really start yeah. to warm up as well and be very good. And Amari Williams. And yes, 100%. They, yeah, so oh, go ahead. Look, they have looked really good, and I think that that's sort of a status of really good basketball teams as you see freshmen and programs, come in. And, yeah. And, and, yeah, and they, they make an immediate impact. You think of, like, Duke and Kentucky. Like, they always have freshmen contributing. You just compared yes, Shea I Ralph did. in year two to Duke and Kentucky. I did. I, I'm, comparing, basketball. I'm comparing Shea Ralph in year two to okay. John Calipari like and Mike Krzyzewski. Do you have, like, you're the podcast producer. Do you have ability to, to record that and put it on Twitter so everyone can hear it? Because I want that hot take to live Well, actually, fortunately boy. for the podcast, it gets posted on Spotify. So it will and be all other internet. streaming services if, um, you, if you're an Apple Music fan. <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> So, I, so you're saying I can go back on Spotify. This take will be immortalized when Shea Ralph wins a national okay. championship. Well, I was there just wondering. And, and people will say Aiden it. was the I'm first with one. you. I'm not doing it to submit it to old takes exposed. I'm doing it so we have a, 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 record? a record with yeah. a date on it. But no, I, I guess you're right. It'll, be It'll feed my ego. Okay. Um, but before we move on, just in terms of talking about all the players on the team, I really think Sasha Washington is the key to this team. I think she is absolutely dominant in the post, and I think that she draws so much attention and just by sheer size, not a lot of players can really guard her, and I think that that will be huge. Similar to how I feel about Liam Robbins in terms of just like drawing attention to the center. Love your comps out, today. Uh, yeah. They're fantastic. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Sasha Washington is the key going forward. The Liam Robbins of this team, yeah. Continue and to dominate. Can I just say that I would love to see her develop her game in the future and just take a bunch of free throws after every single practice. And that's not a knock. She's shooting 57% there, but she's also gone to the line second most after Harbison. Yeah, so can, uh, she gets fouled a bunch. Can Jerry Stackhouse's group join her? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> every every single person. I mean, like, this, Ralph is, Harbison's shooting quite well, and Ralph's squad generally has is, is not been too shabby from the free throw line, 72%. Um, so Stack could, you know, Take a take a page out of I guess Ralph's book, whatever she's doing, and and Washington maybe can get in the gym and shoot thousand free throws or something like that. I like it. Well. Yeah, maybe uh, trying to think. No longer soccer with Sam, but basketball savant with Sam. <laughs> basketball <laughs> savant with Sam. We'll come up with something better. Yeah, I'm the producer. I'm the title guy. Yeah, Aiden's the title guy. 
All right, so looking ahead, as we mentioned, two more games this week for the women. They already played on Tuesday. They've got East Tennessee State tonight, actually in just under an hour, um, and then UT Martin on Sunday. Then they've got one more um, at Louisiana Tech next week, and then they take their finals break. They get a nice So break. we'll see how, how that all shakes out. They've got a couple more in their non-conference before they hit SEC play. Um, we're going to shift over to football. Sam, thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Uh, last soccer with Sam of the year. It's a pleasure. Um, Very yep, sentimental. Thanks for coming on. Ride. I'm crying. <laughs> Shifting to football now, we have to talk about it, Aiden. We got to Get it over with. Dwell, uh, dwell on it for a little bit before we talk about the season as a whole. Some of the longest four hours-ish of my life, 56 to nothing defeat for Vanderbilt football to end the season against Tennessee with a bowl game on the line. It was horrific. While Rocky Top is playing over and over, and it's pouring rain at Vanderbilt, or at First Bank Stadium, rather. I, I it was, was a tough. It was a tough evening. I was miserable sitting in my living room. With yeah. my parents after we had just like grubhubbed food. Well, I so couldn't imagine even being there. We just had hyped this game up. I mean, we emergency potted it. I think that the ramifications of everything going in were so exciting. It was also exciting. And I, I just didn't feel like the game plan nor the energy and kind of spirit from Vanderbilt Matched, matched that. It. Yeah. It yeah. felt like from the jump, okay, Tennessee's a better team. They're going to do whatever they want. And, and Vanderbilt's like just Alabama all over. Kind of let them do so and not really. It didn't look like they were playing for a bowl game. And, and I know Tennessee's a top 10 team and they're one of the best in the country, but they're just. It wasn't was the never, same scrappy team. That right. We saw there was never Florida, really uh, an urgency nope. or a vibrancy from that sideline. And I thought as well. Obviously, you start with that huge throw from Joe Milton to Jalen Hyatt. Just his only accurate deep ball. Which Jalen Hyatt, I, I'm never going to say amazing things about Tennessee, but I do see a scenario where I could be rooting for Jalen Hyatt on the Chicago, Chicago Bears, Bears next year. Quite a good receiver. Incredible. But I think you start out with that huge play, and that was just kind of emblematic of what happened for the entire evening. You you flip-flop between Mike Wright and A.J. Swan. That was really confusing. And I thought, again, kind of lacked this, or was a representation of this lack of cohesive game plan. I just thought from from the team, you know, specifically kind of Mike Wright and, and the running game, as well as, I mean, the defense wasn't horrible, but I, I thought offensively and then also from Joey Lynch it, it was just their worst game in a while and it's a bummer yeah. that 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 ha- that happened given the circumstances I think this game is kind of proof that sporting events are not scripted because if anything the script was going to tell you wow wow okay. what a game overtime <laughs> Vanderbilt wins bowl game you know what I mean like people say oh sporting events are, are scripted they can't be not I after think this. so I think for the second semester for our hustler, uh, I'm sorry, live from West End Pod with with you and I. I think we should get like a like one of those ring like TikTok cameras. Uh huh. So when you say that like this game is representative of that sports aren't rigged, uh-huh. we can like record it and uh-huh. then put it on TikTok. I would love and to. And then do we could both get like semi famous. I'd get my name out there, man. Yeah, I'd exactly. be like the Stephen A. Smith. Well, but I don't want Vanderbilt. you to go like too far off the edge where we can't even have a conversation anymore. But okay. I just want I just want to point that out because your takes today have been. Like first take worthy. They have. It's it's something that I've been working on. I'm adding it to my repertoire. Okay, is being mildly controversial on air. Okay, That's I like it. that. Um, but back to your bread and butter. You've got the stats here. 
Yep. <laughs> seven for 13 for Mike Wright, 28 yards. 11 for 17 for 79 yards for A.J. Swan. Terrible. Pretty much no one got anything going no. offensively, and obviously 56 points given up defensively. I mean, it's pretty emblematic of how poorly this team did is that the special teams of Tennessee outgained Vanderbilt's offense, I, I believe. Oof. Um, or, or, at least, punt return. or at least it was close. Matt yeah. Hayball had the best run of the day on that oh, fake punt, which dude. ended in a fumble, which broke I was my so heart. excited when he did that. I dude, was thinking of you. I, I was so excited. I had a tweet. I literally started tweeting as he was doing it. I was like, yeah. Matt Hayball, first down. And, and uh, another uh, wrinkle in this that we forgot to mention is that Aiden's APR article, which blew up on message boards across yeah. college football Twitter um, and the college football landscape, that Every single team that needed to lose or win, vice versa. Vanderbilt was slowly, one by one, getting knocked down to the point where they were not able to, to to get to a bowl with five wins by the time, uh, right game before started. the game started. Yeah. And obviously the pain started very quickly after that. I think something that I wrote about in terms of takeaways from this one specifically is that, A, C.J. Taylor coming back and not having... Um, having a negative x-ray on that fracture was huge because yeah. he was your best player down the stretch on defense. A, a absolute all, cornerstone all, on the all, team. All throughout the team, yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, absolute cornerstone for him to not be hurt going into the offseason is is huge. And then I think that there's a number of guys who didn't have great games but were, were your key contributors that are going to be points of – or players to watch, I should say, um, over this next couple of weeks when we head into the – college football frenzy transfer portal recruiting offseason that we're about to enter into this this few week stretch is going to be huge just telling us where this team is going to stand next year because a mm-hmm. team without will shepherd and ray davis is going to look a lot different from a yeah. team with them and an nfl declaration i should add in, in ray davis's case yeah yes and possibly in will shepherd's case he's a junior yeah um so that's what we're going to be watching like you mentioned shepherd ray davis a number of other we've already heard from yep. jalen mahoney that he'll be back uh, robbie weinstein of 24 7 sports reported that a lot of guys with their covid fifth year eligibility on this team not a ton of people are out of eligibility but in addition to nfl um draft entries we we have to watch out for you know Anyone on the roster entering the portal, yep. guys getting recruited over or recruits um, coming in in the upcoming class and kind of how that all shakes out. There's going to be a ton of movement on this roster, and, and that'll give us, like you said, a really indicative piece um, of what this team is going to look like um, next year. And yep. I want to add one more thing on the game before we kind of go a little bit big picture and, and takeaways. I also have one thing I want to add. Well, I was going to say you. I wanted to give you space to talk about Joe Milton. Oh, Wow. Well, here are my thoughts about Joe Milton. I said it on the podcast last week. I was a Michigan fan growing up, so I watched. And we forgive you for that because you didn't. You knew no better. I knew no better. It, You're born that way. I was I was born that way. I was born in Michigan, so I was kind right. of damned. And then once I got into Vanderbilt, they started making college football playoffs and beating <laughs> Ohio State. Like I watched my freshman year, then beat Ohio State for the first time in 15 so, years. It was pretty painful. Should you transfer for your last two years? I think so. I think I'm thinking graduate school, perhaps. But by the time I get okay. there, I'm sure JJ that's McCarthy you can, will be that's gone. That's fair. You can finish your degree here. Um, yeah, I think this was a frustrating game because I felt like Joe Milton could not do anything. He was bad. Like he had almost half of his passing yards on that first play we talked about to Jalen Hyatt. He could not hit a man downfield. They were, Vanderbilt was getting burnt, like consistently getting burnt. They well, could yeah. not. They could not <laughs> stop it. And no completed passes no. 
Um, Milton was, was at that first throw of the game that we mentioned from Milton to Hyatt was his best throw of the day by far. By far. It was arguably his only good throw of the day. Um, <laughs> I don't mean to slander Joe Milton too much, but it was frustrating that the X factor, that guy that we identified like, oh, can he replace Hendon Hooker? Because if he can't, like Vanderbilt might actually have a chance. Yeah. He could not, and Vanderbilt and was not even at close. All. They allowed three t- four rushing touchdowns of over 50 yards, two mm. of over 80 yards. So they had long. Three of over Tennessee 70. had like three. Four of over 50, three of over 70, two of over 80. Three running backs from Tennessee. And a punt return. That were just like, they were dominating us. Like we could not stop the run yeah. for the life of us. And I think that it's indicative of where we're at in just comparison to them. Like we're not quite on that that level yet, I guess. Yeah, I think that's a good segue because something that we saw in the back half of the season as some of these younger guys emerged like a C.J. Taylor like, I mean, even Will Shepard, I consider still kind of young, a Jaden yeah. McGowan. There's elevated talent in this program, but it's young. Yeah. Right? It's it's guys that Clark has just gotten into the fold. It's only his second year. We're but the getting. fact that we were able to see growth and, and in-game progress from those guys and get those two wins, kind of get the monkey off your back yeah. for the SEC was huge. <clears throat> and I think despite losing 56-0 to to Tennessee, and we just talked about it for whatever, 15 minutes— that progress kind of exists independently from the game. As much as it hurt and as painful as it was, this really didn't matter. And no. if they had made a bowl, it would have been awesome. Absolutely, probably one of the mayhem. biggest storylines. Yeah, in exactly. College football. I mean, I nobody, friends, not even you, would have seen it coming. I had friends texting me and said, "Like Vandy is America's team. Like we're, <laughs> we're pinning for you." And I would get texts of like Instagram posts that would have Vandy playing like some random power five team in a bowl game in yeah. like mexico city bowl or something like that like some random but yeah but season five, overall i think five we think wins it, was yeah. never never in play and it was maybe we beat missouri maybe we beat south carolina and we beat florida and kentucky mm-hmm. and those aren't alabama back to back not too. georgia but those are two really good wins against two very solid teams two teams that were previously ranked could still be ranked bowl teams teams that could win their bowl games like eight win teams and so weird because we were in here every week, right, mm-hmm. from before Hawaii. Yep. And I don't think in a single one of our potential versions of the season we had, well, they're going to start 3-1. <laughs> they're yeah. going to look pretty good in the non-conference. They might get beat down against Wake Forest, but you're going to see a really good young quarterback. You're yep. going to see some impressive wins on the road. Then they're going to do nothing. <laughs> they're going to have some dud performances bring you right back down then they're gonna oh yeah go on the road beat kentucky and will levis who somehow is still, still number being projected. six on cbs's yeah, mock draft exactly uh beat florida at home for the first time since 1988 yeah um and win five games and i think overall that's absolutely you know despite it being up and down and despite it being not necessarily what we'd have thought we're in agreement here. It's it was, absolutely it a building block. It's better than what we thought. And I think it's going to be huge for this offseason, like we mentioned, in terms of having momentum to build this roster. You've got, as it stands, because we're going to, we'll talk about this next week as the portal and, and recruiting kind of breaks down over, well, I guess I, I shouldn't say next week, these next couple of weeks. Yep. You've got an outlook of kind of the roster as is, as we head into that period, December 5th, the first day that. Uh, undergraduate transfers are allowed to enter the portal. So obviously yeah. going to be a ton after that. 
want to give us a, a rundown real quick on how things are are looking at this point? Yeah, I mean, a lot of this is sort of just speculation on my part. There mm-hmm. are some things that are pretty certain, but like AJ Swan will be the starter next year without a doubt. I, I would assume Mike Wright's going to transfer as much I don't as know. you don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I feel like he's a Ken Seals is going to transfer for sure. Yeah, well, Ken Seals is out, and I think that they preserved his red shirt this year by never playing him so that okay. he still has another year of eligibility. I, I think, I, I guess I would rephrase to say that I think there's a scenario in which Mike Gray transfers. But he has been kind of the emotional leader of this yeah. team for the last two years. He's a really involved presence on the campus at Vanderbilt. I think he could go to a place like a Northwestern or a group of five team maybe mm-hmm. and then start, yeah. which would be appealing. But I could also see a scenario where he stays on to, to battle with Swan again next year. I, I, I guess I'll just say... I would change your most likely to could. Good. Okay, fair enough. I I I respect that. Uh, in terms of Thank his you. his back, in terms of his backfield partners, Ray Davis is a senior. Obviously, um, could leave for the NFL draft. Could come back for a fifth year. I'm gonna add one thing, and then I'll, I'll let you go. Yeah. Um, because I talked to Ray Davis the week of before course. the Tennessee yeah, yeah. game, and he seemed hesitant to say as much as oh this is my last game at first bank stadium for sure he's like that would be really hard is the way he phrased it that would be really emotional to leave these guys and to never play that would be hard to know that and i was like oh well that's an interesting an interesting little tidbit yeah Yeah. go on i'm not gonna interrupt you anymore so unless i do i guess if ray davis does declare which sounds like he might not then they're gonna kind of need to attack the portal because patrick smith would really be the only player on the team who has any experience um looking further at the offense at wide receiver is another guy will shepherd he's a junior could see him maybe you know declare for the nfl draft or be a, a portal option or for be a portal option because he, he has looked fantastic all season he's had some you know as, as vanderbilt has struggled offensively to throw the ball he has struggled inherently um but he is he's a very talented guy Love to see him stay, and then opposite, I think McGowan and Quincy Skinner with just like another year of experience yep. under their belt. I think that they're going to continue to take steps forward. Tight end is not a position that gets talked about a lot throughout the football world. I feel like Vandy is losing pretty much every tight end on their roster. Uh, yeah. Ben Bresnahan declared out. for the draft today. Schoenwald out of eligibility, yep. so those two are gone. Justin, Justin Ball staying. Joel DeCourcy's transferring out. You Cole got Spence. Cole Spence freshman, and then I will add. Kamarion Pimpton, the number one recruit yes, in this class. I wrote about that in the mailbag. Kyle is, Pitts, too. Yep. He is the only four-star in our class, but he should be exciting. That being said, I think that they're going to want to look in the portal for just a little more playing experience. Sure. Because Maybe a Stanford tight end? Perhaps. I'd like that. Yeah. I, um, I'll add just on the pass catchers before you get into the line and the defense. Mm-hmm. I think that Shepard in particular and, and – a couple of these guys now that that and I wrote about this in my brunch now that Vanderbilt's launched their anchor collective, their NIL yep. group. Um, he's someone to look for in terms of that representation. I know today, Quinshawn Junkins, Juskins, Judkins, Junkins, Judd, Judkins from Ole Miss, heck of a player, uh, tweeted in collaboration with the Ole Miss collective. I will be staying on, <laughs> uh, for. The rebels in 2023. So I'm not saying that that something else, something like that, would happen necessarily at Vanderbilt. But I, I think that 
there's going to have to be some players on this offense that are taken care of through that collective. Yeah. Go on with the offensive line and then uh, the defense as well. Yeah. I mean, well, just to talk about that, like I am in full support of the NIL. It's something that I wrote probably three or four different essays about in high school. Nice. Just like arguing for the implementation of something like that because I think it's it's long overdue. Yep. It's exciting to see, and I look forward to how that It's nice that Vanderbilt's gotten place. in the game a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, looking at the offensive line, sort of not necessarily a weak point, but definitely not a strong point for Vanderbilt this year. They're probably going to lose. They're definitely losing Jacob Brammer. He declared for the draft. He was mm-hmm. a fifth year anyways. Junior Izebu was their left tackle. He's a senior, so he's graduating. And then Julian Hernandez at center, also graduating. We'll see if they come back or not. That's an, you know another thing to look for in the coming weeks. Gunnar Hansen will be back. Gage Pitchford will be back. They both started at guard, left and right, respectively. We'll get Bradley Ashmore, who was kind of on injured reserve pretty much all season back. Hopefully next year he's a junior right now. That's the offensive line. I don't know what, what the recruiting looks like in terms of offensive line, but I do think that they'll hit the portal for that as well. Um, and then looking on the other side of the ball, across the line of scrimmage, do a little reflection Defensive line, Miles Cecil, Elijah McAllister, and Malik Langham are all fifth-year seniors. Mm-hmm. So they're all gone. We're going to lose potentially Nate Clifton, Davion Davis, and Christian James as well. Who are I all think seniors. Davis will be back. Okay. He's captain. Didn't play at all this year. Do you think he'll play next year if he comes back? Yeah, well, he, he tore his ACL. Oh, he was okay, really okay. good two years ago. Um. So really the only two underclassmen defensive linemen that played this season— are Devin Lee and Michael Spencer. Both uh, Devin Lee was a he real looks great. great spot. I, yeah. I I am a big supporter of him. Um, I think that you know a lot of it is going to come to whether or not these seniors that are graduating will actually come back. But another position that I don't know. I think they're going to have to hit the portal. Yeah, the, I think up front uh, another area that maybe Stanford or or Northwestern, some high academics that are in disarray will have yeah. some options for them, hopefully. Let's just poach Stanford. Giving you a little relief here. Um, defensive end, I think, is going to be a, a stronger position next year because you've got youth and you've got talent. Yeah. Miles Capers, coming back from an ACL tear, he was projected to be one of the best players on the defense. Hopefully really stays healthy. Really yeah. um, Darren Agu, a freshman who, who really shined, I thought, this year on the defensive line. One of their better recruits in last year's class. And BJ Diakite the same way. I'm a big BJ Diakite guy. Right. They're really going to have another year of experience. And then at the anchor spot, kind of that hybrid um, defensive end linebacker, CJ Taylor, yep. who we mentioned. And, and hopefully, A, doesn't have to deal with an injury. B, is taken care of by that collective. Yeah. Um he's gonna be a junior now. Um yeah, he's and, Meyer. Right. And and one of the stars of this entire program 100%. going into next year. I mean you saw him every game he got better and better. Like by the end of the season I truly think he was the best player on the team. He was yeah. all over the and field, a, fast, strong. A testament to, to Clark's development. Yeah. And, and kind of the emphasis on that. Every week was just consistently getting better. And Elsewhere, then, uh for the linebackers, we've got Kane Patterson. Yeah. Probably going to come back. Hope so. Um, and then his little brother, Langston, will be getting a bit more playing time at that linebacker spot. You've got Anthony Orgy, who's going to make a decision on his draft status. He's actually someone who will probably be on a practice squad if I he think declares. So. I think I think really he, good season he could play for Vanderbilt. Snaps, yeah. And then you've got Ethan Barr and Dericky Wright as well. Dericky Wright kind of in that hybrid. Um, I'm forgetting. Oh, uh, the star, I think. The star position is what they call it. 
you know better than I do. I think it's linebacker, the hybrid linebacker safety position. I think that the Vanderbilt calls it the star. Okay. I'm just misremembering right now. Dricky, right? Someone we entered the transfer portal last year, so I guess that could be another option another to look at. Um, We're going to see. It. A lot of stuff's going to have to pan out because there are a lot of guys that have to make their decision on whether they want to come back, transfer, or go to the draft. Yeah. Good outlook for now, but as we said, there's going to be a ton of movement. I'll let yeah. you take us out for the secondary and then the special teams. Oh, the secondary. Well, B.J. Anderson, fifth year, he's done. Jeremy Lucian just declared for the draft, but he was a fifth year as well, so he was gone anyways. Mahoney, like you mentioned, is coming back. Obviously, Jade Richard kind of came on at the end of the season for the Florida game and the Tennessee game, and then Tyson Russell. Though They will both be back. Uh, Jade's a freshman. Tyson's a sophomore. Safety is an interesting position because Maxwell Worship is going to be gone. Yep. Maybe potentially another practice squad guy like Orgy. I thought he had a really strong start to the season. Kind oh, of I think so for sure as that, well. But I think he's a really talented player. He's sort of the only pure safety that I felt like played significant minutes and had like significant statistics that he put up correct me if i'm wrong um so i'm curious to see where they go from that point but we will talk about it in our mailbag coming up but definitely a spot to assess is just the secondary overall yeah but jalen mahoney back which is a big huge yeah um big boost for that group and then special your boy matt hayball well special teams were losing joseph boulevas which is a bummer it's Will Ferris season. It's Will Ferris season. He, I actually know him. He was friends with uh, kids on my floor, so I have nice. I've seen him a few times. And then my boy Matt Hayball. I learned today he is not actually gone. I thought he no, was he's gone. Not. A friend he on the another... team told me he has a COVID year and a red shirt year. So he's, he's he may be back. Hopefully he's back. Probably I, back. I hope he's back. If he's not back, you better be punting for an NFL team because this guy <laughs> is the real deal. Um. But yeah, that is that is the roster outlook. Little roster outlook, little season outlook. Lots of great football coverage this year. Thank you, Aiden, for always having me up to date on our statistics and everything else that we needed. Lots of predictions. Um, we'll talk football, obviously, again, and, and probably soon, given all this yep. movement. But I think it's fitting that we end our 2022 coverage and officially move to 2023 with a ode to Matt Hayball. I think that was nice. I think that was appropriate. After, yeah. after I've... Um, Shouted him out pretty much every game. Yeah. I want to give you a, a chance for a prediction. That's just what my tendency is to do right yep. now. But there's not I don't want you to predict anything after that after you call the Tennessee win at you can you'll have your I'll time to break. predict the Hawaii uh, opener next year. Yeah. They're gonna win since you won't hear me have that prediction. I was uh, <laughs> I was gonna say I don't think that we need to make those predictions. That's a bummer. I'm just realizing we're not gonna get to cover football really together again. No. Yeah. yeah. I mean unless I use my COVID year. You can, I can. You, like you, Matt Hayball. Have. Did you not redshirt? Oh, I'm. I, I didn't. Doesn't matter. I have five to play four. I was here <laughs> in 2020. Um. Yeah. We'll we'll have to have you call in at some point next year. Oh, that's that's nice. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you all for listening. Bit of a longer one today, but it's been an athletic equinox on West End for about six weeks now. Aiden and I very excited to be back in the studio. We'll yep. have one more podcast next week before we go on yep. winter break. Um. So stay tuned for that. Thanks again for listening. Thanks again for Sam for joining. Um, Best of luck to the ladies tonight. Go Commodores.